0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Regency Park Church the Nazarene. My name is Brian Davis, and I'm the lead pastor here. Right now, we're in the middle of a series called Pump You Up. We're talking about the things that God uses to help grow us, to mature us, to develop us. But really, we're talking about how He uses situations in our life and circumstances, the tools that He uses to help us trust Him more. Because really, what else is a relationship but trust? It starts with trust. And when trust is broken, relationships fall apart. But when trust grows, those relationships grow stronger. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, what God, how God uses personal ministry, uh, engaging us, us engaging ourselves in the world and in our mission to the world and how God uses that to help grow our trust in him. Hope you enjoy this today. Trust is the key to a relationship. And it's certainly our, our true when it comes to God. And as long as we live here on earth and we continue to, to, to live our daily lives, we, our trust will always be growing, It should always be growing. And one of my goals in my life and my, my goal for your life is that anytime something happens, anytime anything that disturbs your peace, disturbs your comfort or troubles you, that our first response would not be to worry and doubt and fear, but our first response should be to trust, to know that God's got us. Doesn't mean we'll have emotional responses to something, none of that. But what it does mean is that when something happens, I can quickly know that my Heavenly Father's got it. He's going to take care of me. Why? Because I trust Him. And so we've been talking about ways that trust grows. Uh, You know, it just doesn't happen. It's just not something that just happens by accident, we have to cultivate trust in our lives and trusting him. And so we've talked about how, like the video, we have to be doers of the word, not just hearers. God uses people at pivotal moments in our life. We talked about that another week uh, to help us trust him. He sends people in our way at pivotal moments in our lives. And then last week we talked about how practicing spiritual disciplines in our life is very important to help us trust God. Now today, I wanna talk to you about ministry. I want to talk to you about personal ministry. Like the video, we don't want to just be a group of people who gather on Sunday morning in this place, and we go to classes, and then we come in here, and we talk about trusting God, and we talk about living for Him and letting Him use us in the world, but then we don't actually go out into the world and do it. We've got to go fish. We've got to go put into practice what we're learning and minister to people, And when people talk about spiritual growth in their lives, when they talk about trusting God, a lot of people will say that there was a moment in their life or several times in their life where they learned to trust Him at a deeper level because God called them to serve. God called them to be involved. God called them to do something outside their comfort zone. They felt this internal nudge to be Jesus out in the world, and it might have been a ministry, it might have been through an organization, or it might have just been, you know, a a call to go across the street and meet your neighbor and tell them about Jesus Christ. And they'll say something like, you know what, I didn't feel equipped, I didn't take any courses online, I didn't feel prepared, I didn't think I was smart enough, I, I, I thought, you know, if I, it's against my personality to do anything, you know, outside of, you know, I'm, I'm just so shy, and 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 I, was, I you know, I was afraid of making a fool of myself. But when I quit making excuses, I trusted God that if I would obey Him, He would take care of the rest. And boy, did He! And I grew in my trust in Him. Even though I felt ill-prepared, and even though I was scared, and 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 fearful and thought this is going to be a disaster. When I volunteered, when I got involved, when I, when I did what God called me to do, it exercised my trust muscle. It pumped me up. <laughs> Why is serving and ministering the needs of others so crucial to growing our trust in God? Well, I think this is important because I think probably there could be in this crowd or maybe listening online, that there could probably be lots of different people who would say, you know what, I'm kind of in that right now. I'm kind of in this tug of war with god i feel like god's calling me to do something i feel like god wants me to say something to somebody i feel like god wants to use me in some way but then on the other hand i'm I'm scared and i'm nervous and i've never done anything like this and i i don't know where i'm going to get the resources to do that and maybe some of us this morning are wrestling or trying to understand what i want you to know this morning is that wrestling that you're having that when you feel that tug it's not about the need it's not about it's not as though God can't get somebody to do what he's calling you to do. What it's about, it's a trust issue. It's not about doing that. It's about the trust issue. Do I trust God to do what he's called me to do and know that he's going to give me what I need to do it? The bigger issue for us is that God wants to see, wants to use something or somebody outside your comfort zone to stretch and to build your trust in him. He's inviting you outside of that, of that you, you know, the place where you're most comfortable. He's outside of your skill set. He wants to do something out of your control that's bigger than your resources, bigger than your ability alone. He's inviting you outside your experience to serve someone else, to do something for someone else, to build the kingdom. And that wrestling match you're having is all about, am I going to trust him? Because here's the thing. God wants to exhaust your trust muscle, your faith muscle in order to build it up. And this is how he does it. This is how he builds you up. He gives us things that we can't handle on our own. You know, if you ever, if you ever have lifted weights, you know that if you're gonna lift more, then you gotta lift more. Not just repetitions, but you've gotta try heavier weights and heavier weights, you've gotta build yourself up. And here's the thing in your life and mine, God just, you know, I know some of us are really pretty and really nice, but God just didn't build you to set you on a shelf somewhere to look at. Nobody said amen, so I guess you all think you're pretty? I don't know, anyway. Right? But he, he, he created you so that he could work through you. And in order to do that, in order to allow him to use you, You've gotta let him build you up. You've gotta let him stretch you. One of the best examples of this in the Bible is in Matthew chapter 14. At the very beginning of the chapter, Jesus' cousin John was executed. Uh, John had been arrested because John, he kept preaching against King Herod's marriage uh, to Herod's niece, who was also married to Herod's brother. It's pretty sordid. Anyway, uh, so Herod, Herod had John beheaded. And when Jesus found out, I'm sure he was grieving. And it says in verse 13 of chapter 14 of Matthew, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And I'm sure he was grieving. He's probably, you know, you know he's just hurting because of what happened to John. And hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy some food. And Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, they're out in the middle of nowhere. There's not enough you know, there's nowhere for them to go and, and get food. I remember we started out in Pawhuska, and what, we, only had, um, we only had a Sonic and a Pizza Hut. And they seemed to want to close down whenever they wanted to close down. It was just the way it did. And so we would have to go long places like Bartlesville to get food if we wanted it. And these guys, they're all stuck in the middle of nowhere. And there are no Sonics, and there are no McDonald's. And so Jesus says, look, I recognize they're hungry. I recognize there's a need. I know there's no food around here. But here's the thing, guys, you really don't need to send them anywhere. You feed them. There can be this tension when you sense that somebody has a need or when a ministry has a need that that needs to be met. The Holy Spirit sometimes can speak into your heart and say, hey, listen, I know, you're, you know, your heart will go out for them, you'll hurt for them, and maybe, you know, it's so easy for us, you know. I mean, the disciples here, they saw the need, right? And, and, and but here's the thing, Jesus is saying you've got to go beyond that. You know, come to me, you know, they, they, they see the need, but I want you guys to fill it. And maybe in your life you're sensing a need somewhere, the Holy Spirit is nudging you. And, and saying, hey, here's a need. Here's somebody who's hurting. Here's somebody who's in need. Here's a ministry at the church who has a need. And you're like going, no, 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 no. You don't understand, God. I don't meet those needs. I pray for those needs. I'm a prayer warrior. I pray, God, please send somebody to my neighbors, you know, to minister to them. And I pray for the kids and the students in our church. I mean, I know Pastor Darren and Pastor Bree and and Pastor Marcy. They have great ministries and everything else. And and I I support them by by actually just praying for them. You know, God, send them the right people. And God's going, well, what about you? I want you to do it. You're like, no, 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 no. I'm a prayer warrior. I'm just praying for those people. And then the excuses start, Right. It's like we bring up all the obstacles, like I'm not trained. You haven't been to seminary. You know, you don't have time. You're just tired and and, and you're busy. But you know what? There's going to be a time in your Christian journey with the Holy Spirit. He's just going to keep calling and calling and leading and leading and keep bringing it up until you can't get away from it and still be a Christian. And it's not guilt, it's just God saying, okay, I want you to be involved and I want you to meet this need. You do it. Just trust me. And God will do it in annoying ways. The disciples, they're, they're, Jesus just says it right back to him. He just says, hey, listen, boom. And they start making excuses. Verse 17 and 18. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered. In other words, we can't do it. We're not prepared. We're not equipped. We're not resourced. You got the wrong guys. It's just not going to happen. It's not enough. And here's what Jesus says, and I think that he probably kind of rolled his eyes when he did it. He said, well, listen, bring them here to me. Give them to me. And Jesus says, you know what? I think he says this to all of us. Just bring what you have to me. I I didn't even finish college, God. I don't know how you expect to use me. Well, how far did you go? I got through two years. Well, bring those two years to me. And I'll take care of the rest. But God, I hardly know the Bible. Well, just bring what you know. God, I don't have that much time. God, but just bring me how much ever time you have. But God said, hey, what if they ask me hard questions? i got to tell you what. Sometimes little three-year-olds I know from my granddaughter, Brylin, can ask the most difficult and hard theological questions in the world. But, oh, man, God, that, that scares me. What, what if I don't know the answers? Bring the answers you have. Give it to me. God, I don't have enough experience. Bring what you have. God, I'm afraid to fail or look bad or be embarrassed. God, just, Jesus just says, God says, just bring me that fear. Bring me what you have, whatever you have. And so they do. And in verse 19, it says, And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples, which I'm sure when he gave it back to them, like he prayed for it, and then he gave it back to them and they're like going, okay, that's enough for me. You know, what's everybody else going to eat? I don't know that I'd have done well because I don't like sushi. So anyway, with the fish, but, uh, but they're like going, okay, I got enough for me. And then so he just, just give it out. And so the disciples gave them to the people, gave what God gave them back to the people. Once he handed them back, they began to do what they could do. He gave, they gave it to the people and they passed it out. And they passed it out and they just kept passing it out. And it just kept going. They didn't know how to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with that little bit of food, but they knew how to turn and serve. They knew how to take what he had given them and give it away. They simply did what they could do, trusting that Jesus would do what only Jesus can do. And when you feel that nudging, when you feel the Holy Spirit calling you to get engaged and involved and meet a need, what he's saying is, I want you to serve. I want you to volunteer. I want you to, I want you to say, how can I help? I want you to call the neighbor. I want you to talk to your friend. I want you to step outside your comfort zone. God is asking you to do what you can do and let him do what only he can do. Even though you've got all the excuses. All He asks you to do is do what you can do and then trust your Heavenly Father to do what only He can do. Because the tension you feel and the fear, all of that, oh, what's going to happen, you know, and I'm not prepared, all that stuff, that is your trust in God. That is your faith muscle being stretched and being worn out. The hardest thing to do I have found working out, and I do go work out, by the way, some of you are like going, I don't know if I believe that or not. But anyway, well, the hardest thing to working out, you know what it is for me? Getting there. It's actually walk in there, get in the car, get in the car, drive there, get out, get into my, you know, shorts and my shirt and get out there and actually, it's actually just doing it. And for so many of us, that's the hardest part. Because our trust and our faith may be Small. Our trust, right, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to lean on Him more. We're trying to trust Him more. We want our trust to get bigger. We want our faith to get larger. And so the way that we do that is He challenges us to do things we can't do. To go places we have no business going. To do things that we are not resourced to do. Knowing that if we'll do whatever He's called us to do, then He will supply what is needed. God is trying to do something inside of you to prepare you to grow. He's trying to exercise your faith. Your faith and your trust will never get bigger unless it's exercised, unless it's stretched, unless it's pulled. The tension isn't about just about fear and insecurity. It's bigger than that. Your faith and your trust and the size and the strength of your faith are at stake because God wants to pump you up. What's at stake aren't simply the needs of the people. I mean, that's part of it. I want to tell you something. You know what? I believe this with all my heart. Um, I believe that if you won't do what God calls you to do, he'll find somebody else to do it. But guess what? You're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the joy. You're going to miss out on the blessing. You're going to miss out on the opportunity to grow and become more than you are tomorrow than you are today. To become more in Christ, to become more like Jesus, you'll miss out on it. You're only hurting yourself when you say no to God. (laughs) Because when we put our faith and our trust in him, when we say, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to jump in, I'll do what I can do, and I'm going to trust you to do what only you can do, your faith will grow by leaps and bounds. And every time you see a great movement of God, Every time you see revival sweep through a church or a group or a body or a community, it starts with somebody who says, I can't, but God can. And I'm going to do what I can do, and I'm going to trust you to do what only you can do. And that's the way it's worked from the beginning. That's the way it worked with Moses, right? He goes and he finds Moses. Do you think if Moses would have said no, God would have left his people in bondage? Absolutely not. He'd He'd have found some other criminal to go and do it. That's what he was. You're to find somebody, because listen, Moses himself said he wasn't qualified. There's a lot of unqualified people around. God wouldn't have left us. You're not gonna thwart the purposes of God in this world. But here's the thing, what would Moses have missed out on? Wow. But Moses had all these excuses, right? You know, I stutter, I don't, you know, i got all this stuff and i got all these problems. Man, it's the story, it's the story of Joshua. It's the story of Gideon, who was the youngest. You know, it's the story of Samuel. It's the story of David who was so young, whenever Samuel came to pick the king, because God said, you know, bring all the sons in, and let me see them, and, and God will pick the one. They, David was so insignificant, they didn't even call him in from the field. You don't have to be significant. You just do what God calls you to do. You do what God calls you to do, and then you trust the Father with the rest of it. That's the story of every follower of Jesus. It's the story of his disciples. They came from all walks of life and he said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He didn't say you are fishers of men. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to teach you. You're going to have to exercise some faith. You're going to have to exercise some trust. So what he did was Saul, who was persecuted. Of all the people to pick to be a missionary, Saul, who was killing Christians, the most unqualified of all. And he called him on the Damascus Road and Paul's the one who wrote, what did he write? I can do all things because I'm so good. No, it's not what he wrote, is it? Somebody almost said amen. I was watching. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to do what I can do, and I'm going to let God take care of the rest. In the process of following his leading, our faith muscles get stretched, and we come out on the other side. On the other end of the process, and we look back and we go, look what God did. Matter of fact, here in verses 20 and 21, it says they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And the disciples didn't walk away from this and say, wow, look, boy, we did good, didn't we? Hey, you want to open a restaurant, a fish and bread place? Maybe we can call it, I don't know, Fish and Bread. Or maybe we could call it, you know, Long John Silvers. I don't know. But, you know, this is they didn't look around and go like, man, look what we did. They were like, wow, look what God did. Look what Jesus did. We didn't do that. I did my part. I got to be a part of it. I got to be a part of what God was doing. I simply did what I was called to do and, and what I was able. But I'm telling you, God showed up and did what only God could do. I oh, want my wife to come up for a moment. She uh, spoke uh, at District Women's Retreat, and uh, this week I was, I was working on my message, and I was at the house, and she was at work, and I noticed her folder there, what she had to say to the ladies. And after I read, after I read it, I thought, you really need to share this, because I'd forgotten <laughs> this a little bit, this part of the story. We were pastoring in St. Louis area in Bridgeton, Missouri and uh, kind of a bedroom community of St. Louis and uh, over across the river in St. Charles, St. Charles County, there were a lot of, there was a, a lot of, some of our folks uh, drove from over there but had trouble getting people to come and, and God just began to lay on our heart, uh, you know, about planting a church over there. There's somebody, you know, there had been some talk that somebody needed to do that and I started praying about it and and uh, there was another church that looked like we could merge with, and then they would give us the money and the finances to go plant. And so I was really getting into all of this and thinking, okay, God, you know, I, I believe you are calling us to do this. But, uh, well, she didn't exactly feel that way. So,
1: Yeah, he didn't lay it on my heart. He did not lay it on my heart. <laughs> my, my first thought was, please, that is not going to happen. And if it does, it won't be us. So good luck to you. But the discussions, they still continued. And I was just resolute. This is craziness. We aren't going to leave an established church and go to nothing. No job, no church, no congregation, no staff, no home. That is not what I'm being called to do. Our son was getting ready to enter the youth group, and it was a large established active youth group our son had established a great little circle of friends she was in fourth grade and I was finally at a church where I didn't have six or seven jobs to do and that was a blessing I'm like I'm not going to do that again our children are going to have to change churches friends schools again I'm going to have to look for a job again and I just wasn't about that And as the talk about planning a church was becoming more concrete and more real, and Brian was feeling more confident that this is what God was asking us to do, I was becoming more fearful and more resistant to the change. But God was getting ready to break in to my comfort, my sameness, my plan, my status quo, and he was getting to let me know that he had a very, very different plan. A plan where everything would be out of control. Topsy-turvy, unpredictable, no safety nets. An all-in plan. Well, you know what happened next when God wants to get your attention? It was revival time. And the evangelist came and began his sermon. And the subject, oh, you know it. The Israelites getting ready to go into the promised land. And you may know the story. Scouts were sent in to explore the land and ate came back with a negative report. There were obstacles to entering the promised land. And this sounded very familiar. There were obstacles for us to start a plant, and I knew them well. We would be starting over with nothing. Half of all church plants fail. We had never done this before. What about my children? What will they do there? What about our financial security? We are too old and my list could go on and on and on. However, if you also remember in the story, two of the scouts had come back with a good report. We can certainly do this. And isn't that the way it usually happens when we're making a decision? Instead of going to God and saying, God, what would you have me do? What do you have for me? We check out the reports and we weigh the good report and the bad report. And I'll let you know the one I was focusing on, the bad report, the one that was feeding my fear. Then the evangelist spoke these words and God used them to pierce my heart. I want you to consider that not only were the Israelites making a decision for themselves, when they chose not to enter the promised land, but for their children. They would all wander in the desert for 40 years and would never take a hold of God's promises for them. Why? Because they were afraid, afraid to step out of their comfort zone, afraid of something new, afraid of the bad reports. And I knew that is absolutely what I was, afraid. Afraid to let go of what I had, the familiar and the seemingly secure. Afraid of doing things in a totally new way. Afraid of new responsibilities that I might have to embrace. Afraid of the bad reports. Afraid of risking it all and losing. But I also knew from the very depths of my soul that this was what God was asking me to do you know when that conviction comes upon you the kind that evokes a physical reaction heart-pounding conviction as the evangelist was speaking and as I was standing in my seat that night my whole body was reacting to what I knew God wanted me to do well it was revival so you know what happened next yes he did The evangelist said, we're going to sing that old song, Yes, Lord, Yes, and I want you to raise your hand if you're going to say yes to what God is asking you to do. Have you ever been in that place where you absolutely know what God is asking you to do, and then the minister evangelist in charge gives that call that you cannot deny? And so, yes, I did. I raised my hand. And when I did, I knew what I was saying yes to. Yes to planning a church, no guarantee of success, no home, no church, no office, no job, no people, but it was God who was calling, and I decided I was ready to be willing and be a part of this thing that he was asking me to do, this thing that he had already begun. God goes before us when he's calling us to do something, he's already working on it, He's asking you, do you want to be a part? Do you want to come along and share in the blessing that's about to come? In my decision to embrace God's will for me, I put myself in a place where he could and did use me and bless my family. We witnessed miracles, his provision for everything to us who had nothing. And every provision was a true miracle story from finding a home, finding a place to worship, finding offices, finding staff calling a congregation of people who were searching for him too many stories to tell in this time but this was the very best part you see my children entered the promised land with me they played a role and lost souls finding redemption. They were greeters, they did set up, they couldn't help but be involved because of the work of the Lord was all around them. Our home was a 24 seven ministry center, hosting Bible studies and counseling sessions and youth groups and quizzing. It was the place we had and it was the place where we did everything. And you see, we weren't just shuffling souls from down the street to our church, but we were winning the lost. And our family began to see a God who still had the power to transform lives and we became invested in bringing the kingdom to light. And because my children were witnessing Holy Spirit transformation, their lives were transformed. Their view of the church was transformed. Their view of ministry transformed. My view of ministry changed forever. And I became a how can we servant instead of we can't. A God will provide servant instead of the sky is falling. A servant who could pray For miracles because she had seen miracles and there were long-term results our son was a seventh grader when we planted the church now he is at the second plant church out of new life and it is an exciting and revolutionary place they have an affordable Christmas shop that this year served 400 children and gave out fifteen thousand dollars worth of toys They have a mobile food market that provides food to over 200 families every month. Our daughter, she was a fourth grader when we planted the church. She was my leader, my helper. And now I remember the day when she came to me and said, God was calling her to be a children's pastor. And now she's here in your church as your children's pastor, helping your children learn that God can and does transform lives. I have seen her face difficult circumstances with faith and courage. Why? Because she saw a God who could change things and she realized at a young age that when you do what you're called to do, and when you put yourself in a place to be used and blessed by God, He will come through for you. I don't want to think where I would be if I had chose to stay in my comfort place and not allow God to use me. If I had stayed right where I was instead of embracing the change that God had for me and my family.
0: So here's the question. Where's God nudging you? What's He he nudging you to do? What's He urging you to do? Where's God prodding you in these days to get involved? Maybe like so many before you, there are lots of excuses and lots of obstacles that you see when God talks to you. But let me tell you something. It won't just go away. This is how we grow. This is how we trust Him more. This is what it means to not just be a part of the fishing club and never fish. This is how we live it out in our world. As we go out and we let God use us to do incredible things. And it's not to call attention to ourselves. It's not to draw, draw attention to us. But it is for the glory of God. And this morning you may be here and you might go, I've got nothing to offer. I've got no time. I've got no ability. You know, I've, I've got, you know, I'm overwhelmed by this and I've got that. Listen. Take what you have, just like those disciples, and say, here, Lord. Jesus says, come on, give it to me. Let me have what you have. And then he'll give it back, and he'll say, now go. Go. Go, because when you do all that you can do, then he begins to do only what he can do. God can do incredible things in your neighborhood and in your workplace and in your school, in your friendships, in your family. But it's not about us. It's about giving ourselves to him. It's about like Isaiah, who stood in that temple, and and, and, and he saw the Lord, right? He was in church one day, just like you are today, and he saw the Lord high and lifted up. and, 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 And God says, hey, who will we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Are you willing to go? I don't care what you have. I don't, I don't care that you've been good. I don't care what your resources are. I don't care what your background is. Here's the thing, is that he's calling you. Because guess what? Every one of us is valuable to him. Every one of us can be a light in the darkness. Every one of us can go out in the world and do incredible things. Because the one who works through us and in us is able to make it happen. It truly is true today. In Christ, through Christ, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does God want to do through you? What does God want to do through us? Oh, and listen, along the way, your trust is going to get pumped up. I mean, your trust is going to get, you're going to walk in here on Sunday and you're going to go, Arr! To you, man. I did everything I could do, but listen to what God did. Urgh. We need to be doing that in the four-years in the morning, Sunday morning. Maybe the greeters Dick, can you practice that? Uh God wants to pump you up, and He wants to change our world in the process of it. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, can I just say first of all that I'm so glad? that you found value in me so glad that you found value in us i know for me i was so unworthy no goodness on my own no achievement on my own but god you found me and you you called me like you call all of us to be your children to be to not just be your kids but father to to, to make us over, to transform us to be like Jesus. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what a calling. And God, you've called to make us partners in this world that through your spirit in our lives that we can do incredible things, not us, but you in us. And so God, this morning, my question stands, where are you calling me today? where are you calling us what do you have for me to do and God I, I I know it's just human of us that when we hear sometimes when you put challenges in our heart when you put conviction in our heart sometimes when you ask us to do things our, we just kind of you, you kind of shrink back from it and say God I can I'm I'm not trained I'm not able I don't know I don't have the personality for that I don't God, I I, I wouldn't know the words to say much like Moses much like all the, all the heroes in the Old Testament who you call, we make excuses. Much like Paul could make excuses when he was Saul on the road, Lord. But we come to you and you say, it's all right, you do. You give me what's in your hand. Just give it to me and then let me do the rest. You go do what you can do so that I can be unleashed and do what I can do. What only I can do in this world and in your life, and in the lives of others. God, if anything else for our kids this morning, let us be people who say, we can, I can, I make myself available, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, Father, knowing that I can't do it on my own, but I'm going to need your help, I'm going to need your resources, I'm going to need your power, I'm going to need your strength. God, I'm so glad for kids who could see that in our lives, but God, God, I'm challenged to continue to, that legacy every single day, to continue to bring glory and honor to you and continue to say, I'm not enough, but he is. He's got me and whatever he he says I can do, I can do it. And God, there might be somebody that's watching online this morning or somebody in this room today and they've been struggling. You've been leading them and calling them and nudging them and they felt resistance and they don't feel equipped enough and they don't feel resourced enough. God, today, I pray that this morning you will help us to just surrender to you and say, God, I'll do it. You're going to have to go with me. God, I'll do it. You have me, all that I have and all that I am, but God, I know it's not enough. So God, I'm going to do what I can do so that you can do what only you can do in my life and in my world. Oh God, today, would you change the world through us this week? Our neighborhoods, our families, our homes, our schools, our workplaces. God, today, might we see incredible things happen in the days that are ahead as Regency Park Church of the Nazarene says we're going to do what we can do so that what only Jesus can do can be unleashed in our world. We love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen.